Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS. Hey, Rusty, why are we uh, partnering with SGS? Uh, uh, some, some, some good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready so when people leave, they're able to go and transfer it to any kind of industries, coaching, teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really. So what's so special about their degree courses that others won't be doing? I think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to, to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported and will leave you know, ready to just go and thrive in the uh, big old world out there. SGS College is the home of Bristol's higher education sports programmes. The programmes are designed to develop unique, innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry. Do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future? Start your journey here at SGS College and become more than just a graduate. Visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply now. Cool, Rusty live on the pod with Chev. How are you, mate? You well? Very well, thank you, man. How are yourself? I'm good, I'm good. Chevron Clark, uh, one of the best storytellers I know. We'll definitely get into your your two deaths uh, along the way. Um, and how's how's training been? What have you been up to during lockdown? Uh, training's been good, man. Um, you know, been fortunate. I've been a fortunate guy. Number one, I'm a, I represent for Team GB, as you said. And um, they've done nothing but um, help to facilitate the situation or like make make it as smooth as possible do you know what i mean they've sent out equipment um and just been on the phone at any call and just making sure the athletes um are well so that's been great and um also you know i've been fortunate to have a garage here which has got a bag in it so i can train so in terms of training and my schedule not much has changed you know what i mean so and also i found a new hobby I'm a cyclist now, so you know, you know, I might just uh, switch it up and go and do, you know, Olympic uh, cycling instead of boxing. <laughs> yeah, mate. That, I think you might be a little bit too big, but you could be a sprinter, I guess. You could be a. You wouldn't necessarily be a long distance cyclist, I wouldn't imagine. I mean, I, I don't mind the long distance stuff, you know. Um, uh, but I suppose sprinting would take less time. So yeah, give me the <laughs> give me the sprinting. Nice, cool, mate. Now look, and, and 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 I've heard your story. So obviously, I was unfortunate enough to have to speak after you at uh, Birmingham City, where you're good, mate. So you're you're best mates with with Danny Barham, aren't you? That's the that's the connection with uh, Birmingham. Yeah, Danny's my guy, man. I've known Danny. Danny, we grew up in the same neighbourhood, and um, when we was younger, we wasn't close or cool friends like that. We knew each other, but we weren't like we are now. And my friends, which were his friends, they went to school together. And then we've just sort of formed a, a pack now. There's about, i say, seven, eight of us in, the, in there. And we're just like that now. So, yeah, Danny was just like, listen, man, you do the boxing at a good level and you've got a great story. Come along, meet some other people, network and um, tell the story, you know. It was a good story. Do you want to do you want to summarise it? And if you don't talk about the deaths, I'll ask you about them. Um, where do you want me to start, man? Well, wherever you want to start, mate. Wherever you think would be useful to start. Well, um, quick story. Um, start out. I was born in Jamaica. Um, 
my mom and dad um, split up uh, when I was younger. So um, I was living with my mom. Uh, and like, I was like the popular kid <laughs> in the family, I suppose. And my dad wanted me to live with him. Um, and obviously I was living with my mom. So one day my dad just came and like took me. <laughs> he took me and uh, I was living with him. And um, one day I went from, I came home from school. Uh, actually, I was living with his aunt and I came home from school and we was playing hide and seek with the kids. And uh, it was my time to hide. And I thought I'd be smart. And there was an unfinished building across the, the road from where I lived. And I thought, if I go there and I get on top of the roof and move the ladder, nobody will be able to find me. So I ran up, I ran up, I, I, there was a ladder, it was a wooden ladder. And I ran, and I ran up the, the, the ladder and I got like pretty much to the top and the ladder just went and it split open and I landed on a, a spike and I impaled on it or inhaled on it. And um, it's fair to say they found me because I screamed that loud. And uh, yeah, they took me to the hospital. Um, the, the, the spine went straight into my stomach kind of thing, like straight, like I landed like that on it. So it went straight up and um, they uh, did all the operations. My Some of my organs was here by my side. So I had a colostomy bag and yeah, I flatlined on the table. Um, the, the doctors um, did what they had to do. I came back to life and uh, I, I just remember waking up and my, my mom, I thought my mum was there, but I spoke to my mum the other day. She said she wasn't there. But somebody, <laughs> <laughs> somebody was there, and uh, I just, I'm alive now, man, and it, it was just great. So soon after that, my mum met my stepdad, who was on holiday in Jamaica to visit his mum. And then their thing got a fire. And then my stepdad was like, listen, man. No, my stepdad took my mum on holiday to experience England, but my mum didn't like it. She was like, it's too cold. And I just can't deal with it. So she wanted to stay home. However, the old man had other ideas. He wanted her to stay. So <laughs> we kind of had a voting system as a family. So the old man decided that we'd come on holiday as well. So my mom was like, no, the kids are staying. He was like, oh, just let them have the opportunity. So we came over and it was time for us to go back. <laughs> and my mom was like, pack it up already. So then, like, as I said, we had a voting system as a family. The old man called it. He was like, so, have you guys enjoyed your time here? I was like, yeah, man, it's cool. And my sister was like, yeah, it's all right. And my mom was like, I know we're going home. <laughs> but she got voted because it was three to one. So that's how we're here. Then uh, I started playing football here. I went, I, fi I finished uh, I finished the primary school, um, Half finished half year of um, year six primary school. Then I went secondary school. I hadn't really played football before I started playing football in secondary school and uh, developed quite quickly. And I, I just loved football, man. It's great. Um, so I was going to college. Uh, sorry. Now I started playing football in, in school, enjoyed school, and I developed quite well. By the time I finished um, school, I was doing a little bit of college, done college, and I uh, was still playing football. And I was doing uh, a little bit of work with um, a friend because I wanted to be an electrician. So I went to, to school to be, um, went to college to be an electrician. And I was doing that. Um, 
one summer I decided that I'm going to get fit for football and go and do boxing. So I went to the gym and uh, did my session and I came out. The coach was like, oh man, he goes, you know, you could be a world champion. And it was my first session. And I just thought, this guy is blowing smoke. Like, <laughs> what's he talking about? Did he see what just happened? So anyway, um, I went away. And uh, at the time, I was talking to a girl. Her, her father was a boxing coach as well. So I then went to his house and started messing around on the, on, um, the, the bags, etc., etc. And he was loving life. So <laughs> soon after that, I went back to, to do some work with my friend. And... Um, for the whole week, my stomach was hurting me. Um, but anyway, we got home on the Friday, and um, he lived in London, and I lived in Kent. So he dropped me off. I was like, "Listen, man, he's my mom's friend." So I was like, "Listen, you, the traffic's gonna be bad, so you might as well just chill here for a bit, and then when it dies down, you go home." So he chilled out for a bit, um, had a bit of food, but my stomach had been killing me. So I hadn't said anything to nobody, but I remember I went out and I come back in. And it was kind of dark at this point, and I was going up the steps and um, got to the top of the step. And I just went down the steps. And he was like, Yo, are you all right? I was like, Yeah, man, I'm cool. I just tripped. So I tried to go back up the step, and I was like crawling up the steps on like hands and hands and knees. And uh, I fell down. I got to the middle of the step and I fell down. And he was like, No, nah, there's something wrong with you. I was like, No, nah, my stomach's hurting. He was like, Let's go and get some Gaviscon. So uh, we drove around trying to find Gaviscon <laughs> and you wouldn't believe it there was no Gaviscon at any petrol station that we went to so uh, we come back in now and like uh, as I'm Jamaican you know Jamaican culture ginger anything to do with your stomach they're like yo listen boil, the gym, boil some ginger and drink it so uh, did that and my stomach was still killing me uh, I was watching the TV when I tried to go up the steps again and I fell down. He was like, no, I'm taking you to the hospital. Went to the hospital. Um, and the, the receptionist said to us, was like, it's a five-hour wait. I was like, listen, man, get, get me in the car. I'm going home. There's no way I'm staying here for five hours. So I went back home. And would you believe it? I went on the steps to go back upstairs to go and sleep. And um, I, I fell down the steps. And he called the ambulance this time. So the ambulance came outside my house. They blocked off the road. There was lights everywhere. And uh, they strapped me in and took me back to the hospital. Took <laughs> me back to the hospital. And I just remember they took me off the, uh, I was in a wheelchair and they pushed me into the, to the A&E bit. And it was the same lady that was there. And I said, oh, can I get some tablets or something, please? I was like, oh, it really hurts. And I was, at this point, I don't even care. I'm a big man, but I don't care. I was crying. It was hurt. I'm, Never felt pain like that. And uh, the doctor gave me some tablets. And I just remember, I just remember waking up in the morning. And again, I just remember my mom was there. There were some flowers there. And there was a couple people there. And the one thing I remember about the morning is the doctor came up. And if you could imagine, like, he had a, he had a, a whatever they, they write down on, they had all the information. And he had a pen. And he banged it like this, and he was like, Mr. Clark, you're a very lucky man. We had to do everything we could to save your life. And then like, after we found out, yeah, I'd flatland on the table. But um, it's just mad. 
So then from there, um, after, I was playing football still and I started taking boxing seriously. And the good thing about um, boxing that I liked was I would train all week, I'd fight on the weekend, but when we fought, we'd travel all around the UK. Now, you don't really, like, I move around, but you don't get to go those places that you was going to boxing. So that was like my buzz for the weekend. I was like, all I have to do is train, get ready for the weekend, be on weight, I get to eat KFC, and I get to travel all around England, and I get to fight. I was loving life. It was great. So started progressing, and uh, they, my club, Gracia, maybe she entered me into the, the ABAs uh, the first year, the under-10 ABAs, and I won it. And uh, it was just like a big buzz. And then uh, they said, oh, we're going to do it again the next year. The next year, same thing, same procedure. And I, was, I had a buzz for it. And now I started to get a name around town. And uh, I just felt like I was the man. Uh, so I won the second year, which was the under-20s. So at this point now, I really thought I was the man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nobody can't touch me kind of thing. So, um... I remember, just like, before I started boxing, my dad said to me, listen, man, you need to train. You need to be running. And I just said to my dad, I was like, listen, man, I'm Chev. Like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good around. Because, you know, as a kid, you've got, like, a little reputation around your way. You think you don't need to do nothing. And um, my first fight, I def definitely needed to run, mate. Because after the first round, <laughs> I needed gas. So it was the same thing again where... I just, my head just kind of got too big. And um, we, where I was struggling to have fights with people around my um, caliber, uh, with the same amount of fights, etc. My club had to go to the weight above to, as we had a home show and I fought, the, fought on the show against the guy that won the ABAs at the weight above. And I lost, so that kind of brought me back down to earth. <laughs> and I uh, started so training and, um, training and it kind of just reset recalibrated my determination and my hustle and uh i went into the the the, the open abas which is you can fight people with however many fights and uh i lost the, the the in the the quarterfinals in the first year then the second year i lost in the semi-finals and i was just like this is just not gonna happen and i kind of just i was getting fed up and uh my coach said, no, then I had trials for, for Team GB in 2012-13. And um, I didn't get on. At 30, I got to the last three. And one of, one of the guys that got taken on, I used to beat him in the Southern Counties every year, which is the area championship. So he never got to the, the finals. And I was like, they chose him over me? <laughs> I was so disappointed and I was like, I'm never going to box again don't want to box again, don't talk to me my dad tried to call to me, talk to me he he tried everything, I was like I don't want to hear it man, I'm just done with it so uh, after like two weeks, my coach called me he was like, um, he goes, you're Jamaican right? Uh, yeah he goes, right, I'll call you back in a bit so they done some research and um, uh, I boxed for Jamaica they got me to box for Jamaica by me going to Jamaica to, to fight in the national championships. I won the championships. And then that qualified me to box for Jamaica in the uh, Commonwealth, Commonwealth Games in 2014. 
So that was that was an experience because I went there, um, we prepared as best we could. <laughs> went there, and in my first fight, I lost. However, it was, it was kind of it was controversial, but I lost. But this time, it was on big screen TV. Like it wasn't just my people in my town that knew about it. It was the whole world. So I came back home and nobody saw me for at least two months. <laughs> I was hiding and I was just like, you know what, that is so embarrassing. And I stopped boxing for two years. Uh, I, I was lorry driving. I was loving life, actually. It was the first time I was, I was like actually making a bit of money. And then um, my friends throughout the time, they were onto me, yeah, man, man, man. Who's ever boxed uh, at the level from our town that you've done? Oh, you're a waste of talent. You're a waste of space. Man, man, man. And I was like, bro, for the first time I'm making some money, leave me alone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you guys, you've got cars, you've got, some of you are on the way to get houses and stuff. And all I want is just some of that, you know? And um, finally, uh, one of the coaches, uh, Jason, he never bothered me all the way through. It's the guy that uh, told me I'd be a champion the first time I, um, and he was like, listen, there's a show on such and such date. Make sure you're ready. And it was kind of just like, it was like, I've actually got to get ready. He's, the boss has said it. <laughs> the boss has said it. It's got to be done. I got ready. And um, what do you know? Uh, I had a fight with a guy that was on Team GB. And he'd just been kicked off of Team GB. And I beat him. And I stopped him in the first round. So I thought, that's fine. That's great. I can go back to driving my lorry and be in Wonderland and be happy and be, you know, no, a couple of days later, coach said, uh, listen, you're fighting in the national ABAs in a couple of weeks, so make sure you stay on it. And um, yeah, just went there. And um, what do you know? I won the, won the open ABAs, the one I hadn't won after trying all those times. And then I, I got my invitation to trial for GB, tried for GB, boxed for England a couple of times. And then I got onto G, Team GB on January 5th, 2017. And it's just been up and up and up and up ever since. Nice. Yeah. Great summary, mate. Some stuff I was going to ask about. I'm always, uh, I was intrigued that you decided to uh, have boiled ginger instead of uh, going to the hospital with, uh, with something that was life-threatening. But uh, tell me about your coach. So is it Jason Weeks? Tell me about, like, your relationship. So there's 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 two coaches. There's that uh, Jason, which I met first um, when I was young, like probably like 17, 18. And um, like he's the one that said to me, like the first day, you could be a world champion. And then Jason moved clubs because the club shut down to another club. And I moved houses, funny enough. And I was searching for a boxing club. And I went to this club and there was this little round window and I just remember and I was kind of short so I kind of looked up and I was like oh yo that's Jay so I went in and I was kind of confident and um because he was there then I met Len and um then it was just the team because Jason was the good guy and Len was the bad guy so Len was just the one that made you graft extra like Jason made you graft but he had a nice way about it Len was like I don't care do the work if you want to win do the work put the graft in and you'll get it but he 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 was just so passionate. It was, it was so, it's so good how it worked. I can't explain it. And um, yeah, Jason was just one of those guys where 
in my call, whenever Jason was in my corner, I just know that, like, that's a win for me today. Like, he just gave you that different type of confidence. Like, Len does it, but the way that, I just think, the way that Jason does it, like, they both do it. But when Jason says it, it's like, I think it's because I've known him longer, but they both do it in a way that it works for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, Jay Jason's quite laughy and jokey like myself. Uh, Len is as well, but because Len's a bit more sharp and serious, when Jason says it, I'm a bit more relaxed. When Len says it, I'm like, I've got to do this, man. <laughs> <laughs> when, 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 when Jason says it, I'm like, hey, yeah, I know I'm going to do this. I know, hey, I'm going to do this. But when, when Len says it, it's more of a focus. Listen, you've got to do this. I'm like, yo, I've got to do this. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Nice. People say... Um, People talk about the GB boxing environment in real positive light. I mean, what's your what's your experience of that? You, we, we, when we spoke earlier, you said you're actually having an amazing time at the moment. Probably feel like you're you're getting the best out of it you ever have. Uh, what type of things, if people came and visited, do you think they'd see, hear, feel um, that makes people want to talk about it so much? I, I, you're right because in terms of the amount of different sports that I see come through to to get an idea of what we do shows how well the program's working. Like we have swimming, we have rowing, cycling. Everybody come through to have a look at our model, and I just think number one is the comradeship that's there. It's a very relaxed um, environment, but when the bell switches and it's competition time in those eight weeks, like it becomes a bit more serious, but we're still having fun. So like right now, it's just very relaxed. Do you know what I mean? You still do your work, but it's very relaxed. When it comes around to competition time, especially in the last three, three weeks, like there's no tension. You just can feel the hunger and the, like the lines are ready to go, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so uh, it's just, it, I, just, I just think it's from the, the, the stuff that you don't see at the back that are just so helpful and get stuff done for us and make our lives so easy to the coaches that are there on the front line with us. Um, it, it's just such a great model to um, achieve greatness, man, and um, they do everything. For me, I'm speaking on my personal behalf, they do everything in their power to make sure I'm comfortable, um, to make sure I got what I need, and I'm on the right, in the right mental space to go and dominate. Nice. I, I remember chatting previously with you a little bit as well about, like, you probably feel like you've got a good amount of ownership of your programme as well, and that, that made a difference to you. Yeah, I think the coaching there, what you have is a system where, let's say you go and have a fight, right? You have your strategy before the fight, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then after the fight, you get a couple of weeks, then you do an analysis of the competition. In that um, analysis, you look at what you did right, what you did wrong, and then you make a plan of what you're going to do to improve the next time around. So when you're training now, you have like a, a sheet on the wall before you start training, you look at it and you say, okay, this is what I need to work on. So in your session, 
you're working on those bits rather than just going there and doing the same thing you've been doing for the last 10 years. You still do the things that you're good at, but you're conscious that you're working on your weaknesses, which is like great. But also, I get to, to, to put an input into that. Do you know what I mean? So let's say the coach didn't see something or he goes, oh, well, you should do more of this. And I say, well, the reason why I didn't do that was is because I'm not confident doing this. So then we work at a, we work at something, a plan that will help me to become confident to deliver what he sees that I should do. Nice. And I actually watched a couple of your fights before this, so you'll be pleased. And I remember you telling me that you're a bit of, you know, you're a bit more like Mike Tyson. I was thinking, yeah. is he going to defend in this fight at all? Um, <laughs> and you definitely. I was curious about like that feeling before you go in the ring. So you said like when the bell goes. I'm thinking for me, Rusty. I was kind of putting myself in the ring against you. I'm thinking, my life is at risk here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's What's that like? So what's the, let's talk about a build-up to a fight. Like what, what goes on to get you so that when the bell rings, you're in, you know, you're, you're in amazing, you know, mindset and, and ready for it. Uh, yeah, what's, what's the preceding 24 hours look like? Um, when it comes to, to that, I, I think for me, I think the fight is one in training. So, the, the the 24 hours is just doing the the stuff that you need to do the weighing the weight management uh the the the, the analysis of the, the the fight you're gonna fight and just putting a strategy in place to tick all the boxes do you know what I mean to to go and deliver and it's just being comfortable for me like people like to sit there and some it works for them. But some people like to be there and they'll be like, okay, I need to do this, this, and this. Listen, man, I've done that in training. I don't need that. I know what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to go out there and deliver. I just need to be relaxed. I need to be laughing. I need to be having fun. You you have fun doing what you do and anybody will it'll, it'll struggle anybody. Uh, sorry, anyone will struggle to defeat you. For me, it's just about being relaxed, having fun because... Nothing that you do in that 24 hours is going to help you to fight or, or help you to be fitter to fight your opponent. You just got to be relaxed, um, have the game plan in your head, having fun, and go and deliver, man. That's, that's it for me. I don't, I don't want my coach to be like, oh, you need to do this. You need... We've done that. Like, that's, it's past that stage. You know what I mean? Done that. Nice, I like that. I mean, I don't think enough, and maybe it's also a reflection of your training. So, <clears throat> I was definitely curious about like what does a typical session look like? Is it is it close? Because clearly, it, I'm, I'm thinking a bit with my rugby head on as well. So, <clears throat> lots of teams wouldn't be able to do that much contact. So you wouldn't be able to, you know, go fist on fist for all the time. But actually, you've also got to prepare yourself for something that looks like the fight. So, how's your training look to prepare you? To I mean, it sounds like you're going in there pretty relaxed, really confident, and you you feel like the work is done. What are you doing in training that means that's the case? Um, again, it's um, working on the stuff that you're confident at doing, but also working at the things that you need. You know that you're not 
so good at yet. And then practicing in sparring because sparring, you have different types of sparring. People think that sparring is like just going out and trying to clump each other. That is not the, the, the whole point of sparring. Sparring is where you try things, the things that you're not good at. The things that in the last fight that that you was not not delivering so well on, the, the things that the opponent was doing to you, you in sparring, you use that to um, notify the, the wrongdoings or the things that you need to, to work on. So you can do technical sparring or you can do open sparring. Neither of them need to be full out war. Like you're not going to learn nothing from that, you know? And um, you just spar with different opponents. There's different styles. So you want to be mixing all of that up when you're sparring throughout the year and just um, try and address the, the things that you're not so good at and work on little tricks that you can do to, um, to get that little advantage. Yeah, I like, the, uh, <clears throat> I like the fact that you train against lots of different styles. I guess one of the other outcomes of, of boxing is that you also actually properly fight against people you've sparred with. What's that like? You know what it is? Some people are good in the gym and some are good in the ring. <laughs> so, um, like some people are great when there's nobody watching them. And, but when those lights come on, like it's either you're going to man up or you're going to run away. And, and that's what it comes down to. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's just how I know how to say it. But, I think, um, for me, I don't have an issue with it. That's what it comes down to. Some people do. They're like, oh, I've got to, like, he knew that I did this last time. And, you know, or, um, or I don't know. I, I don't worry about that because I just have so much confidence in my ability and my fitness that whatever they bring, it ain't good enough. That's just my mentality. Um, what happens when you lose? So what's, you, you spoke about a couple of losses that have clearly had some significant impact on you and, and made you reflect deeply on some stuff. What's, um, yeah, what's the impact? Because you're, you're pretty confident. I guess the reality of boxing is you're going to get knocked out a few times or you're going to lose a few times. What's, what happens then? It's, it's no different to laugh, man. Um, you got to find out why you lost. What didn't you do, or what you needed to do to sway the judge, the the judge's um, opinion that you won? Like that's what it comes down to. It's finding the root of the problem. So whether it be you have a leaky defense, whether you need to jab, or throw more straight shots, whether you need to work more when you're on the inside, whether you need to move more, you just have to address the problem, and once you address the problem, write it down, put it on the wall, work at it each day, along with all the other stuff that you're good at, and then execute it next time. How much of your fighting would be, <clears throat> this is my strength and I'm going to put this game on you versus actually there's, I've got to adapt slightly to this opponent. What are your... Say that again? How much of uh, your game plan would be, look, Chev is not, I'm good at this, this is what I'm... I'm a rock star at this is my 90% or whatever percentage it is and how much is actually I've got to be really mindful of this from the opponent of the year thinking like 90% about yourself 10% about them 60-40 what's, what's it look like? I don't worry about other people <laughs> I bring what I can deliver 
and then de- deliver it. Obviously, you know that okay, he's let's say you have a person that's good at good at jabbing and move your head or or work off an an work off an angle, but do what you're doing. Like like for example, Mike Tyson, you never saw Mike Tyson change his style for anybody. You don't need to. If you're good enough at what you do, you don't need to worry about anybody else. Like that that whether that be in business, um in life or whatever, if you're good enough at what you do and you have a good enough product, you don't have to worry about anybody else. That's my mentality anyway. And what about your coaches? What are are they? Um are they are they the ones that are challenging you and trying to make you aware of other stuff or are you driving that? Are they like that little thing on your shoulder going and also this, you need to do this or do you think you've got to the stage where you're aware of this stuff and you're adapting and, and you're in charge of this yourself? It's a mixture of both. Um, as a person, you will never know enough. You will never like you will just never know everything, and they'll never know everything, because again, everything comes from perspective. So this is where we all come in, and they put their opinion across, and then I'll be like, oh, okay, but this is why I did that, and they'll be like, oh, okay, so then because you did that, maybe you can try this, and that's how it works with with me. Like, you can't ever. I don't think a coach's job is not to dictate. I think a coach's job is to find find a solution that works by communicating with the athlete. Because at the end of the day, it's the athlete that's there. And on the outside of the ring, the coach can see something. But in that moment where I'm like less than a meter away from a guy, he don't know what I'm seeing. You know, so that's why we need to um, communicate. And how many of the coaches are ex-boxers? Are they, are they high-level ex-boxers or are they coaches who've coached high-level boxers? Because I guess I'm thinking a little bit about, well, yeah, some of them might not have even been in your position if they've, if they've not boxed to your level. I mean, I think we, ha- we have an Olympic medalist there, which is Richie Woodall. Um, so that's great. I work with Richie quite a lot. And then you have other coaches that didn't go that far, but they box. And then you have some coaches that box as professionals. So we have vast, a vast array of um, experience there. But I, I, um, personally, I don't think you need to have boxed. As, like, there's certain aspects where I think, yeah, you need you need that experience to do it in boxing, but to see something and analyze it, you don't need to box because our analysts—they've never boxed, but they're very good at their job. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think it was—is it Joe Calzaghe's dad who coaches him? Who and he didn't box at all. I'm not. I'm not sure. <clears throat> um, I was. I'm also been thinking a bit about you, and clearly you're, you're enjoying life. Um, so going away to lots of these multi-sport events, there'd be a fair. F- having been to a couple of com games myself. There'll be um, there'll be a lot of distractions for Chev, so I think I read you know you can go and play uh, go and play on the Nintendo with Usain Bolt and how, what are those yeah. what are the multi sport events been like for you? 
uh, everything's calm for me. Um, as I said, um, it depends on the individual. But I think with me, I know what I'm out to achieve and there's nothing that can distract me from that. You know, so when I go to these games, like I'm I'm not starstruck, I'm not that type of person because I believe that I'm a star myself. So I think like we're we're all stars in our own field. So I don't see somebody and think, Oh, it's that person, like and then what? <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I go there to do my job, he's there to do his job, come together, have a good time. Um but yeah, like when I was younger I might have, I don't know, I'll get excited and I'll do silly things, but I, I just think the way that my mum and my, my mom brought me up, I just know how to focus and lock on to something. If I want something, you best believe I'm going to get it. No, I said, have you, have, you, have you been to other sports? So in the same way people come to boxing, have they kind of connected you up with other sports? I've obviously seen you at Birmingham City and where have you taken learnings from? Any other places? Uh, just my mum and my grandparents, man. Because, um, as I said to you, like, growing up, um, I grew up, uh, sorry, I, I grew till I was 11 years old in, in Jamaica. So, my childhood, like, I think that made me who I am right, right now. Because from 11 years old, my teen years, I grew up here. But my foundation years was in, in Jamaica. So I think some of my values, my values are make me um, what, what, what mm. I am. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. I I'm, I'm definitely sense the influence of your right. mum and your upbringing on, uh, on, on, on how you are and your kind of... Yeah, I, I, I love the fact that you're actually, you know, you use the word war. You are you are going to war, but at the same time, you're pretty, seem like you, you're enjoying it and staying pretty relaxed during it. Um, I also, yeah, you got it, man. I'm also curious about kind of your impact on other people. So I'm a, I know you do a bit of stuff for charity and I think that would be a big part of, 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 of you as well. How do you see your role as influencing other younger people? I've been asked this question so many times this week. Have you? But I, I, yeah, I don't, I honestly don't, I hope I do, but I don't think I'm at that point where like, I don't know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope I do, but I don't, I don't see myself as a, a superstar like Anthony Joshua. Like, I think that's, them guys have those jobs. I just do what I can, I have a very small platform, right? And like around me, whether whether I be whether um I was boxing or not, I would always try to I will always try to help people. So if I'm in a better position, like for example, 2018, um I grew up when I was growing up, I went to a, a youth club and there's this lady called Wanda from South Africa, but she runs it like she's a G. Like <laughs> and she was it was just a place we could go. And just chill on a on a Thursday, or was it Friday? Friday, and and just play PlayStation or or just play pool. And she's a very Christian lady, but she is like she don't try and push nothing on you. She's just a G. So I phoned up Wonder, and I was like, "Listen, Wonder, um, no." She phoned me. She was like, "I'm having a, a 
and make eat. You know the company that Rashad, um, what's his name? The, the, the Man United footballer. Uh, the striker that, that done the, 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 the message to the government and then they started doing the foods for the kids. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford, yeah. Um, she does uh, something similar for that charity. So she, she called me down and it was uh, providing Christmas dinners for families that don't have the income to do that for themselves and to provide food and the basic necessity. So like I went there and it was funny, right? There was a kid and um, like he was given the food, but he didn't like the food. So he went eating, he was only a little kid. And I was like, oh man, there's gotta be something I can do. Do you know what I mean? Cause if you don't like something, you just don't like it, man. Like that's just what it is. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna do something. And I, I spoke to my guys, I pulled them up. I was like, listen, we need to think of something we can do for these people. And we came up with uh, Easter. I, I said, I said, let's get them all some McDonald's or something. Like we just get bare. And my guy was like, that is terrible. What? <laughs> and then we came up with Easter eggs because Easter egg Easter was the next holiday. So I went around and asked all my guys. I asked all the guys at GB. Uh, Anthony Joshua contributed some. His guys contributed some. All my friends contributed, and we got almost 300 Easter eggs for all these kids and we del I delivered it to, to them because like it doesn't take nothing it doesn't like bro those Easter eggs probably cost roughly 500 pound I don't know but what's 500 pound in the grand scheme of things do you know what I mean and the long the longer effect that kid that child will have a positive effect of you know what I could help somebody if I get in a better position so it's it's bigger than yourself, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a good mindset to help others and 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 for them to pass it on. What uh, what's AJ like? What's Anthony Joshua like? When what's he like when you watch him train? What's he like away from the ring? He's what you see on the TV, man. Like it's exactly what you see on the TV. He's a cool guy. Um, he doesn't like all the fame and all of that. Don't mean nothing. Like not not don't. Mean nothing, but he doesn't change. He hasn't changed him. You know what I mean? He's not. He's not full of himself. He's just down to earth, and he knows where he started, and he's just connected to the guys. Like he comes to the gym, and he's just doing what we're doing. Like obviously, he does his own session, but he doesn't walk in, and the gym has to get shut off or none of that. It's just he's walking or something, guys. Good, was popping, and he just gets on and zips up just like us. Put one sock on at a time. One boot on at a time, and just it's just vibes. And then when whatever he has, we can use. So anything that he has, like for recovery or whatever, he's like, oh, you guys can use it. So um, cool guy, man. Nice. No, he hasn't got a smoke machine on when he comes in. Is what I'm hearing. What uh, I mean, how does it? Is that how it feels? Is that one of the strengths of the boxing? Is that actually, although you're going to go and compete individually you actually feel like a team. So I've seen you and one of the other boxers, you've been doing a, as you said earlier, you've been doing a fair bit of cycling. I mean, uh, is it generally feel like people are there to help each other? Yeah, obviously there's competition, but when you're there, you're, you're there to help each other get better by sparring and 
and even if it's just for uh just like the mental the vibe you know what i mean you, you put a smile on your teammates face you know what i mean that, that that goes a long way to to helping people develop because not every day is going to be a good day for everybody so if you can help somebody to to go through a, a hard day that that's the good thing about it i'll give you one great example right so i said we're there monday to thursday when an athlete's at home some of them will lie to you but to get up in the morning and go out and run like you're you want to get up at 10 o'clock and do that you don't want to get up at five four when they're in sheffield we all have to get up the same time in the morning and run so if you get up feeling like, oh, bro, you know, today I'm doing a 12 o'clock run. Nah, uh, uh, brother, everybody else is in the same boat. So get your ass up, down to the track. You know what I mean? And that's that's what it does. It just gives you that little extra push, you know? Four o'clock, mate. I wouldn't be getting him at four o'clock for a run. Fair play to you, Max. Not, not now, not at 45. What about, what about next year? What are your hopes? Obviously, you are... You had Olympics this year. It's postponed to possibly next year. How does that sit at the moment? When will you? You know, um, what do you know? What's going to be the impact? Um, you know, what are you? What are you thinking about heading towards the, the Olympics? If I'm honest, I don't. I don't think about that because we're not there yet. So I think of. I've, I, I like to live in the present. Um, I don't. Like, people always ask, oh, are you going to turn pro? Are you going to do this? Bro, like, let me just live right now. You know what I mean? Like, let me live right now. I might not live to tomorrow. <laughs> let me enjoy right now. And then I'll handle, I'll handle next year when it comes. But um, obviously, qualify, qualify, get to the Olympics and, and just give my best effort out there and represent myself, my family and the country. And then, God willing, what's right will be right. Nice. Well, my fingers are crossed that you keep living in the present, having had two deaths. I don't want to. I don't want you to have any more. Um, I am going to finish finish with some one worders. So I say one word, and you say one word. This be a good challenge for you. Um, one word that it just makes you think of. So, uh, boxing. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. He was my second one. Yeah, we, okay. okay. Tyson, Tyson then, Tyson. What's, what's your one word for Mike Tyson? Aggression. Yeah, mate, seriously. I watched you fight, and, and, and I did see a bit of the Mike Tyson in it. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> what have I got? Yeah, yeah, I hear uh, Rugby. Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> Johnny Wilkinson, nice. Um, Jamaica. Say that again? Jamaica. Bob Marley. Oh, Bob. <laughs> you can say Bob Marley. I'll let you do two words. I should should allow you to do that. Uh, England. Cold. Um, Cold. No. <laughs> Cold. Culture. Cultural. Okay. No. Like, loads of, like, you know what I mean? Very, very cultural. Loads of castles and things like that. Uh, Team GB. Yeah. Um, greatness. Uh, Olympics. 
Tokyo. Uh, Jason. Legend. We'll finish on that. Mate, look, thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing your story all over again. If people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Is, is Twitter the best place to find you? Uh, Twitter um, is great. On Twitter, I just predominantly tweet about football and Arsenal. But on all social media platforms, it's C, number four, C-H-E-V. C for Chev. C for Chev, mate. Legends, thanks for jumping on. Uh, stay safe and uh, we'll catch up soon. Stay safe, stay blessed.